Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So as Pastor Larry said, we are in week four of this series called Love Rules, and it's all about learning how to let love rule in our lives. And we're looking at um, probably the most well-known of all passages in the Bible that have to do with love, 1 Corinthians 13. And we've been taking them kind of in bite-sized chunks um, week by week. And so week one, we talked about this idea of what love looks like when it is patient and kind. And then um, two weeks ago, we looked at love is selfless, uh, giving of yourself, giving up your rights, all of those things. And then last week, we talked about this idea that love is others' wise. Because part, half of it is being selfless, but the other part is considerate of others and being others wise. And today we're going to talk about what I think is probably the most challenging aspect of love, forgiveness. It might be the most difficult of all of love aspects. And uh, there's a lot of confusion and misconceptions about what forgiveness is and what it isn't and what it looks like. So to kind of focus in today, I want to start off with a little quiz. All right. So um, five questions. I'm going to give you really true or false. So if you want to take out your notepaper, write one through five there on your notes. Um, If you're using the the Northgate app, you can just do it in that uh, space for taking notes. Just one through five. Keep your eyes on your own paper, all right? I just, and don't shout out your answers, okay? This is for each of you individually. It's true or false. You got a 50-50 chance, okay? So here's the first question. True or false? Forgiveness involves understanding someone's weaknesses and then excusing their bad behavior. True or false? Don't say it out loud. Just write it down, T or F. Forgiveness involves understanding someone's weaknesses and excusing their bad behavior. Number two. A person cannot be forgiven unless they ask for forgiveness. True or false? A person cannot be forgiven unless they ask for forgiveness. Number three, forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and the pain that was caused. True or false? Forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and the pain that was caused. Number four, forgiveness involves restoring trust and reuniting the relationship. True or false? Forgiveness involves restoring trust and reuniting the relationship. And then the last question, question number five is this. You haven't really forgiven someone until you've forgotten the offense. True or false? You haven't really forgiven anyone unless you've forgotten the offense. Okay, so check out all your answers. This may surprise you, but the answer to every one of those questions is false. Yeah, now some of you had a couple truths in there, I'm sure. But really, as we're going to discover today, as we look through this whole idea of forgiveness and what the Bible has to say about it, you're going to discover that every one of those statements is false. Those are some of the misconceptions that we sometimes have when we talk about forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? That's what we're going to look at. And we have to see it in the context of the bigger picture of love, because forgiveness is just one more aspect of love. And that's why we're looking at all of these. 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to follow there, we're going to read this until you have it. You're going to have this memorized whether you want to or not. We're reading it every week. Okay, This is what Paul wrote about love to the Corinthian church. He wrote, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I possess possess If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I've said this every week, but our intention through this whole series is that we would understand what love really is so that we would be a people who know how to love, that we wouldn't just be a community of faith. We would be a community of love. And one of the things that we've discovered week after week after week is love is not warm, fuzzy feelings. Love is actually very hard work. And like I said, this is probably going to be the hardest aspect of love that you will ever have to learn. And you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. This is going to require the grace of God and the strength of God to be able to put this into your life. So we're looking today at rule number four, love forgives. And it's the twin um, sentences here. Love is not easily anchored and it keeps no record of wrongs. What does that look like for you and me in everyday life? What does true forgiveness look like? And I want to start with this idea. Forgiveness starts with our own reactions. Starts with our own reactions. Paul wrote, love is not easily angered. Now, you might call this proactive or even preventative forgiveness. Because if you can master your anger, if you can master your reactions, it'll save you a lot of forgiving down the road. (laughs) If you can start with this one, um, it'll it'll reduce the amount of forgiving that you're going to need to do. Because it all has to do with your own reactions. And, And anger is, in essence, anger is our reaction to a wrong our reaction to a hurt, our reaction um, to when somebody has somehow wronged us, okay? It's a reaction, and it's a wide range when it comes to anger. It can come to be minor irritation to full-on explosive rage, okay? There's a lot in between there, but the writer of the Proverbs put it this way, foolish people let their anger run wild. Wise people keep themselves under control. Sometimes we say things like, You make me so mad. And that is not a true statement. Because nobody can make you mad without your permission. Anger is your emotion. Anger is your reaction. It's your response. And nobody can can make you mad. It's your choice. Anger is a choice. And you do have a choice in it. And I know you don't believe that, but I'll just prove it to you, okay? Have you ever been in a very serious, heated argument? You know, just, a, just a, uh, going at each other, maybe with your kids or, or your wife, your husband, or, and you're just going at it and just uh, back and forth, back and forth, and the phone rings and you pick it up and you go, hello. <laughs> in one moment, you switched it off. You can do that. You don't think so. But you know that you can because you've done it. Anger is a choice, and you can choose not to get angry. Now, anger can, be an, can have a, an appropriate response or it can have an inappropriate response. Unloading on somebody is inappropriate, but there is an appropriate response in anger. You can be angry. In fact, that's what Paul wrote. He said, in your anger, do not sin. The implication there is you can be angry without sinning. There, there is an appropriate type of anger. I'll give you another example of that. Um, there's a woman named uh, Candace Leitner. About 25-something years ago or so, her 13-year-old daughter was killed by a drunk driver.
driver. And she was enraged. She was angry. How could that possibly be allowed to happen? But what she did with her anger was she founded an organization called Mothers Against Drunk Driving. She channeled her anger to an appropriate response. You could be angry in reaction to your hurt, but it's how you respond. That is your choice. And when it comes to anger and forgiveness, this might be helpful. If you can learn to distinguish between a wound and a wrong, because they are two different things. A wound, let me kind of give you my definition. A wound is a hurt that you have suffered unintentionally. That someone didn't mean to hurt you, they just did something and they didn't know what they were doing or they did it by accident and somehow you got hurt in it. That is a wound. It hurts, but it doesn't require forgiveness because they didn't intentionally hurt you. See, that requires understanding and patience. That was that first false statement. Forgiveness is not understanding someone's weaknesses and, and then making an excuse for their behavior. That's, that's something else. That's patience. It's what Peter was talking about when he wrote these words. He said, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. See, not all offenses need forgiving. If someone has wounded you unintentionally, that just requires understanding and patience. It's covering over. Now, when you have been wronged, that's when someone has intentionally hurt you. They have done it on purpose. Their desire was to somehow get at you. That is a wrong, and that requires forgiveness. Paul wrote these words to the Colossian church, and he kind of made the distinction here. It says, um, next one. There it is. Bear with each other. Okay, that's, that's a wound. That's the first part. Bear with each other. If someone has wronged you unintentionally, that's a wound. It hurts, but you bear it, okay? And forgive one another. That's what you do with a wrong. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, make the distinction. Is this a wound that I just need to bear under and understand they didn't intend it? Or is this a wrong that requires forgiveness. And once you make that distinction, if it is a wrong, then how do you forgive? How do you do that? So this is the second part here. Forgiveness moves forward one step at a time. Forgiveness does not happen overnight. And I'm going to give you four basic steps. There might be other steps involved. There might be sub-steps to these, but these are kind of the four basic steps when it comes to forgiveness. The first is I make the choice to forgive. Because forgiveness does not happen on accident. It starts with that decision. In the same way that anger is a choice, so is forgiveness. I choose to forgive. Paul wrote these words. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Now that's an accounting term, okay? That's, that's, that's like keeping a ledger book. Or for those of you who are under 30, a spreadsheet, okay? With Quicken, okay? But, but it is, it's keeping a list of credits and debits, And what happens when I choose not to forgive somebody, when I hold on to forgiveness and hold back forgiveness, what I am doing is I am holding them in my debt. That's what I think I'm doing at least. And what I'm doing, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because it makes us feel superior. You hurt me, so now I'm just going to withhold from you. And and it makes me feel a little bit superior. And and I feel like, because I'm I'm the better person. I didn't do the hurting, you did the hurting. And I'm not going to let you forget it. I'm not going to forget it. But what happens is you think it makes you the better person. What it really does is it makes you lesser. 
Because what happens is bitterness and resentment do damage on the soul. And you hurt yourself more than you hurt the other person. See, forgiveness keeps no record of wrongs. I have to make the choice to forgive. And by the way, you can forgive somebody without them asking you. That was another one of those false statements because forgiveness is your side of it. They may, they, they may never ask you for forgiveness. They may have moved on with their life and care nothing about you. And if you choose not to forgive them, you are holding yourself hostage to them. In essence, that's what you're doing. They've moved on with their life. They don't care one bit. You are the one who are stuck with it. You are, you've created a prison of your own. And you've made yourself a prisoner to them. You've got to choose to let go. Choose to forgive. And then, and then what you do is you let go of your right to get even. Because withholding forgiveness is mostly about revenge. That, that's really what it's all about. Um, and, and, and that's what I, I, I was hurt by you. I want to make sure you get hurt back. Now, we can do this in a variety of ways. We can actively look to inflict harm on the other person as payback. Or we can be a little more sophisticated about it. We can hold back and just watch other people hurt them and feel kind of a little happy inside. <laughs> or we can even use our friendship and withholding friendship as a means of punishing them. But in some way, what we're trying to do is get revenge. And that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness requires the step of letting go of my right to get even. A couple of weeks ago, I was pulling weeds in our backyard. And man, there's a lot of weeds this year. <laughs> and, um, and I was pulling in some really those thorny ones, you know, this one prickly one. And of course, I'm macho. I don't wear gloves. I'm pulling weeds. And, and I grabbed and I got one of those thorns like straight in. One of those little tiny thorns straight into my thumb. And I can't get it out. In fact, I didn't, it just was a little hurting at first. And then, I, you know, it just kind of went on and then it started to fester and it started to hurt. And every time I put pressure on it, anytime I picked something up, every time I grabbed the tool, I just, oh, that hurts. And, and it just festers. And, and it was just a little tiny thorn, but it got under my skin and it got worse and worse and worse. It's still in there. Okay. I got it to stop hurting quite so much, but every time I touch something and I remember that, that's what unforgiveness does. It's letting that little thing get under your skin where it festers and it hurts every time you think about it. And you want to get even. You want to get back at them. And forgiveness involves letting go of the right to get even. Look at this one. Romans 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Let me ask you, who will do a better job of dealing with that other person, you or God? God. That who knows the true story? Not your slanted version of it. Who knows the true story? Who knows what really went on in that situation and who knows who really needs to be dealt with? God. He says, you leave that up to him. He will do it rightly. He'll take care of it rightly. Don't you hold on to it. Don't look for a way to get even. Don't look for a way to pay back evil with evil. Let God take care of it. See, what happens in forgiveness is I hold you accountable and then I let go. I say, yes, you hurt me. I'm not excusing it. I'm identifying it. Yes, you hurt me and you did it on purpose. I'm letting go. I choose to let go. Isn't that what Jesus taught us to pray? 
He taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, let me ask you, when you pray that prayer, are you really asking God to forgive you like you're forgiving that other person? How's that working out for you? See, if you're withholding forgiveness and you're asking God to forgive me the same way that I'm forgiving this person over here, that doesn't work out so well. You have to learn to let go of your need to get back. And that's hard, which comes us to the third step. You repeat the process as often as it takes. <laughs> you know, you've seen, ever seen the instructions on the side of a shampoo bottle? Lather, rinse, repeat, okay? That's, just think of that, okay? This is it. Choose to forgive, let go of your right to get even, repeat. Choose to forgive, let go of your right, repeat. Because forgiveness takes a long time. We do it a little at a time, little by little. And in fact, the deeper that you have been hurt, the more that you have been wronged, the closer the person who wronged you is to you, the harder it is going to be to get over. So it takes this process of repeating it over and over and over again. And when you remember the offense and you start to feel that pain, you start to feel that anger, just say, wait a minute, I've decided to let go. God, I'm letting go. And the next day, when you think about it and you get all mucked up, God, I've decided to let go. You just keep repeating the process. Peter once asked Jesus these words. He said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, Peter thinks he's doing really good here because seven times, that's a lot of forgiving. He thinks he's being really magnanimous in all of this. And Jesus' words to him are this. No, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times Seven. Now, Jesus is not saying, okay, get out your ledger book, start totaling them up, and when you get to 491, then you don't have to forgive anymore. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, don't keep a record. Just don't keep a record. Man, if you are keeping track up to 490, <laughs> you've missed the point. You just, you don't keep record of wrongs. You just keep forgiving. Choose to forgive let go of your right to get even, repeat. <laughs> Choose to forgive, let go of your right to get even, repeat. It takes a long time. And, and what will happen is that there will be times where you will think of it and you'll think you're over it and you'll think of it and all of a sudden that hurt comes back. That anger comes back and you realize, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And that's okay as long as you keep repeating as often as it takes. What you want to get to is step four, where you can remember the wrong while releasing the pain and the anger. That you can get to a point where you can remember the event, you can remember the wrong, but not feel that anger and that pain. See, forgiveness does not require you to forget. There are some things you will never forget, but you can still forgive. You can forgive without forgetting. You can remember, but get to the point where you don't feel that anger and that pain about it anymore. And let me add one more thing. You don't need to let that person back into your life to complete the forgiveness cycle. There are some relationships that are toxic, that are bad for you, and to let that person come back in and tolerate that bad behavior would not be healthy for either of you. You can still forgive, but choose not to have that person. But you need to be able to make that distinction. That I can remember the offense without the feelings of anger and hurt 
That's when you know you're forgiven. Lewis Smedes talks about, he calls it redemptive remembering. And if you remember the story of Joseph and his brothers, remember the coat of many colors guy? Okay, his brother sold him into slavery. And, and, and all through his life, he had these ups and downs. Every time it looked like he was getting ahead, boom, he got knocked back down. Starts to look like he's getting ahead, boom, he gets knocked back down. Over and over again, this happens throughout his life until finally it gets to the point in his life where he actually gets up and he is the second only to the Pharaoh himself in Egypt. And because of he's, he's interpreted a dream that God gave about this feast, uh, this famine that was coming. And so they stored up all of this grain. And sure enough, after seven years, that famine came. And, and now everybody was coming to Egypt to get food and paying a high premium for it. And Joseph is the guy in charge of it. And his brothers, who had sold him into slavery, show up one day. And he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And he goes through this little thing with them, this little kind of a dance with them, and gets to the point where he reveals himself to them. And they're terrified. Because they know, this guy, he's second only to Pharaoh. He can say the word and we're done. He can say the word and we get, we get tortured for the rest of our lives. He's got full control. He's got full mastery over us. He can do anything to us and get away with it. And they're terrified to the whole thing. And he says these words to them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. That's redemptive remembering. It's the ability to see that even in the wrongs that you suffer unfairly, God is still working. Even though somebody deliberately hurt you and hurt you deeply, God can still work redemptively even in that pain. And what somebody might have intended for evil to you, God can turn and make for good. That's redemptive remembering. It's God's ability to redeem each and every situation in life, each and every hurt in our life, even those that are inflicted on us on purpose that we did not deserve. God redeems. And he wants us to remember without feeling the hurt, without feeling the pain, without feeling the anger anymore. And if you think about it, that's what Jesus did. In fact, Today, we're going to close our service celebrating an act of remembrance. He said to his followers, eat this bread, drink this cup, remember me. Now, he didn't say, remember with a sense of vengeance. Remember how badly I was treated. Remember that unfair um, that trial, mockery of a trial. Don't Remember the execution. Remember how bad they treated me. No, no, he says, remember me and the grace you received because of it. That's redemptive remembering. Jesus tells us, remember, but don't remember with animosity and hatred. Remember with grace and see what God did because of it. He writes about it a little bit further. By the way, this is one of the best books I have ever found on the topic of forgiveness. Lewis Smedes is the author. Forgive and Forget is the name of the book. And he writes this. He says, the point of remembering is to be renewed again and again by the life that rises from the aftershocks of an unfair death. Grace is a gamble, always. God knows. He knows what it is like to forgive and then have it thrown back at him as a dare to forgive again. But God takes the risk. And so does anyone who ever forgives another human being. Forgiving is risky, but there is ways to improve the odds. One of them is to turn your remembered terrors into redemptive memories. The risk, I believe, is worth taking. 
Or, as Paul wrote to the Colossians, remember, the Lord forgave us, so you must forgive others. Do you bow your heads with me? The gospel is all about forgiveness. That's the message. And forgiveness always comes at a price. That's what Jesus did on the cross. See, when you choose to forgive, you choose to absorb the pain yourself. And on the cross, Jesus absorbed the pain for your sin and mine, for your rebellion and mine, for your failures, for your mistakes, all of it. He chose to absorb the pain himself so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could experience grace, so that we could have a new life. So here's how I want to close this. Is there a relationship? Is there someone in your life who needs your forgiveness? Could very well be that this is why God has you here this morning. You didn't think that's what you came here for, but that's what he's saying to you. You need to forgive. And I know it is hard. You are not going to be able to do this in your own strength. This is going to require the grace of God. This is going to require the strength and the power of God in your life. But if you're here today, then there is a relationship, there is a person in your life that needs your forgiveness, and you are willing to take that first step by choosing, deciding to forgive. I would love to pray for you because you're going to need God's strength to do it. And every week what we do is we give people a chance to think about that for a moment and then to respond. And if that describes you in any way, then you're willing to take the first step to decide to forgive, not knowing how long it's going to take or what it's going to look like, but just saying, I am willing today to forgive. God, would you help me? Would you raise your hand and just hold it up? And as you do, look up and catch my eye. I want you to know I am praying with you, with you, you, and you, with you. Yes, yes, yep. Yes, 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 yeah, 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 yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. God's grace is what you need. God's grace is what you can extend. Now, maybe you're here today and you don't know the grace of God. You don't know his forgiveness because you've never asked for it. You never... Put yourself in that position. God has already done what needs to be done to forgive. But for you to receive it, for you to know it, you've got to make a choice about it. And it means owning up to your sin. It means owning up to your mistakes, your faults, your failures, your rebellion. But if you take that first step, he has already taken the steps to forgive you. And you can today take a first step of faith. Maybe you're here today and you don't think there's any forgiveness for you. You think God can possibly forgive you. Yes, he can. Maybe you're today and you can't forgive yourself. But God in his forgiveness can forgive you and you can learn to forgive yourself. So today, if you want to take a first step of faith and receive the grace of God, receive his forgiveness and that new relationship with him and you're willing to admit your need, I'd like to lead you in a prayer as well. Would you just raise your hand? Same thing, just raise your hand, hold it up, catch my eye. All right, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Pray with me. Lord, for those of us who have raised our hand and saying there's a relationship in my life, there's this person in my life and I've been holding on to this thing and it's tough for me to forgive, but today I'm choosing, I'm deciding to let it go. 
I'm choosing to forgive. And it's going to be a long process because I know how long I've carried this pain, carried this anger. But I don't want to be held in their grip anymore. I want to be free. So today I'm deciding to forgive. Would you give me the strength and the power and the reminder of your grace so that I could let it go? And Lord, there were others who raised their hands saying, this is a first step of faith to me, to you. And I'm just coming to you saying, this is who I am. These are my faults. This is my failure. This is my weakness. This is my rebellion. This is my sin. And I can't fix it. I can't undo it. I need your grace. Because of what you did on the cross, would you take that punishment and pain for me and forgive me? I want to learn to live in your grace. I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may